after dark, and we're talking about the Wizards. It is technically July 1st. It's 1.37 a.m. Eastern Time. Free agency began about seven and a half hours ago, and literally billions of dollars have been spent on NBA contracts in those seven and a half hours. That's enough for hundreds of millions of subscriptions to The Athletic and billions to this free podcast. I'm Fred Katz, the host of this free podcast, and uh, I cover the Wizards for The Athletic. We're just going to be talking free agency stuff today. Thomas Bryant, obviously, he re-signed with the Wizards three years, $25 million, originally reported by ESPN. No options in that contract, all $25 million guaranteed. Pretty good value contract for, for Thomas Bryant. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about Trevor Ariza going to the West Coast to the Kings on two for 25. We're going to talk about Bobby Portis to the Knicks, two for 31. Uh, on the line, Brett Dawson. Covers good buddy of mine. Covers the Thunder for the Athletic. Does great work for us at the Athletic. Uh, Brett, aren't you glad that uh, that the Knicks stretched Joe Kim Noah so they could have all this cap space? I lo- <laughs> I love the Knicks. I would like to talk about nothing but the Knicks we're, for like this entire podcast. We won't do that. But I would like to point out that of everything you said in that introduction, the funniest thing to me is when you said free agency started seven hours ago because like. This free agency started like last summer, uh, and it was clearly going on all the last week and well before seven hours ago because within – as you said, like within seven hours, all the money has been spent. They've spent so much money. So uh, I don't think it started at – somehow I don't think it started at 6 p.m. Eastern today. The Knicks still have about 20-something million left in cap space. Yeah, they can do all sorts of stuff, the Knicks. They could sign at least two more power forwards. At least <laughs> they should, they could guard at least they could sign at least two more power forwards who nobody will really guard at the three point line. <laughs> that would be a great hey, that'd be a great way to Bo- spend that money. Bobby Portis can shoot, but I'll tell you something about Bobby Portis. Start with a Wizards related point. So Scott Brooks played Bobby Portis majority of his time at the five, and it was the first time in his career that Bobby Portis really played the majority of his minutes at the five. Second Spectrum has been tracking rim protection data, at least publicly, since 2013, so for six seasons. And over those six seasons, the only player to play the majority of his minutes for a full season at the five and have as bad rim protection numbers as Bobby Portis did this year is Bobby Portis this year. That's (laughs) it. That's it. He had the worst worst rim protection numbers ever. I think it was was either 73 or 74% that opponent's shot on on shots he contested at the rim, which, for perspective, is about what Giannis shoots at the rim. So he took, he turned average players into Giannis and Dettacumpo at the rim. He's a great shooter, but uh, he, he, you are, your defense is going to struggle if he's at the five. Here's the good news for the Knicks. They signed him, who they could play at the five and not really protect the rim. They also signed Julius Randle, who could play at the five and not really protect the rim. And the only young player they have that anybody cares about is a five who protects the rim yeah. and, and needs to play. So It's amazing. So Rand- Randle's a four. Taj Gibson, who they also signed, is a four. Bobby Portis is probably a four, can play the five. Yeah. What you can play Randle at the five. I think New Orleans, New Orleans played uh, Randle at the five in part to tell Anthony Davis, you don't play the five. Right. Right. It was like how uh, the Pacers played C.J. Miles at the four so they could tell right. Paul George that he didn't play the four. Right, exactly. Yeah. I, I, I just – did they forget they have Mitchell Robinson? Yeah, I don't, I don't know. He's maybe really they thought tall. They, he, you couldn't have lost him in the crowd. Maybe they thought they traded him for cap space. 
That's we didn't know. We, we didn't trade that. We got to talk a, about the statement at some point. Oh wait, we, we we kept that young guy. That doesn't seem like something we would do. <laughs> well, in their original statement that they put out, they forgot to mention the young guys. So that does make sense. All right, we're, we're going to talk about the statement know, at some I point. Uh, I do want to talk about Thomas Bryant. Uh, three years, twenty-five million for Thomas Bryant. Uh, Bryant went into free agency really asking for ten million a year. From what I gather, it sounds like the Wizards' original offer was about seven. They were never very far off on money, obviously, if that's the case. Thomas Bryant wanted to be back with the Wizards. He had no intention on even talking to other teams. The Wizards wanted Thomas Bryant back. I've written about 500 times this season how proud the organization is in general. And yes, Ernie Grunfeld's gone, but everyone in the front office is still exactly the same as when Ernie was there. Ernie Grunfeld's the only person who has been gone over this 12-13 week process without him. So everyone who's still there, they're, they're organizationally proud of the fact that they found Thomas Bryant off waivers when basically the entire league could have had him. You know, the entire league could have had him at the draft a couple of years ago. They rated him higher of where he was. They liked him on draft night. They didn't get him uh, because the Lakers picked him a little bit earlier in the second round. They wave him after the first year. He ends up starting pretty quickly, averages like 17-11 or whatever it was per 36 minutes. He has this perfect game against the Suns. He's, I mean, it's, his floor is being a very good offensive center. He's going to shoot 35% from three in all likelihood consistently. He led the league in restricted area field goal percentage this year. He's a very good roller. I think he's going to become an improving passer. You're not really going to post him up, but, like, whatever. That's a losing part of the game at this point. Like, that's a diminishing part of the game at this point. Almost nobody does it unless you're. it's a way you can create threes and that kind of stuff. He is going to be a very – he's already a very good offensive center. His defense was a major problem for the Wizards this year. His pick-and-roll defense, his rim protection – He's a good hustle rebounder. His strength is a major problem. Big centers push him around. They just kind of shove him out of the way. Guys like Embiid killed him. Steven Adams killed him. Uh, Hassan Whiteside killed him. Drummond killed him. He's 21. The Wizards are betting he's going to get better at that. Uh, They're betting that he's got like a notoriously great work ethic uh, everywhere he goes. Tom Crean has talked about it. People within the Wizards rave about his work ethic. And not in like a throwaway way. Like they rave about it. They're just betting he's going to get better and with like I don't know Brett how do you compare I think three for 25 compares okay compared to the other center contracts we saw like the Dwight Powell contract we saw three for 33 and Dwayne Dedman three for 40 like where where do where do you think that compares to those I I feel like it's pretty reasonable yeah I I think he's the best offensive player of those He, he projects as as one of the best offensive players out of that group right out of the group of guys yeah he's he's gonna score I mean like he'll score um and I think, you know, who knows what the Wizards are going to look like around him. But, you know, you want a, you want a guy in the pick and roll with John Wall, assuming John Wall ever plays again. Um, that that seems like a pretty good value to me. And, and teams, you know, sometimes teams will overpay that guy they love, um, that guy they find who they feel really attached to for that reason. And they say, oh, his upside's really good. And, and you know, and they just they love that idea of finding him, and they can fall a little bit in love with the piece that they have. But that seems reasonable to me. That That price seems fair. Yeah, I think it's fine. Also, really interesting from Thomas Bryant's side, uh, I I bet you, I don't know this for sure, but just kind of betting, I I bet you if if he wanted to go four years, I bet you the Wizards would have given him four for 32. Uh, He's 21 years old. If you'll give him three, you'll probably give him four. Uh, What I think is really interesting now is because Thomas Bryant took three years, 
He's allowing himself to get into unrestricted free agency at 24 years old. Yeah. That is a young-ass unrestricted free agent. Like, guys don't get into unrestricted free agency at 24. So now if he improves at the rate that – just like the realistic rate that he hopes he can, now, like, Thomas Bryant is putting himself in a position to where, like, he can get – two, maybe three significant size contracts in his career. He signs a three-year deal at 24, takes him to 27. A three-year deal, three or four-year deal, 27, takes him to 30, 31. And then another three-year deal or something like that. If he ends up having, you know, a 14-year career, 13-year career, which obviously that's a really long career, but it's possible. I mean, there's a distinct possibility, not probability, possibility, but realistic enough to discuss that Thomas Bryan is setting himself up for like three or four significant size contracts in his career, he is going to have generational money out of this. And I think signing the three-year deal helps him kind of get to that. Uh, and I just I, – it's very interesting, super rare for a guy to be a 24-year-old unrestricted free agent. Yeah, if you if you get to 24 and he is a 35 37% three-point shooter, that, that it'll look really interesting because, you, you know, look at – if you can make a, if you can step out, if you can give give yourself a little bit of spacing at the five, look at what some of those guys are getting now. I mean, some of those guys are really good. Look, look at what Brook Lopez made at this stage of his career. Um, if you can give somebody a little stretch, and I wouldn't expect him to turn into Brook Lopez as a shooter, but just a guy who can space it a little bit and, and do some things in the pick and roll. And if he's not just a, a a horrible minus defensively, you really are setting yourself up to get paid. Yeah, and I think he'll get there. I mean, he's. He was 33 for 99 on threes this year. He doesn't have to go that much farther to be in that 35 to 37 range. Yeah. He was I think he was 37 in the G League last year, but as as somebody once told me and as we've discussed before, everybody shoots 37% from 3 in the G League. It's just like everybody averages 17 points. Yeah, everybody averages 17 points in the G League. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter if you're a scorer. It doesn't even matter if you averaged 17 points. You still right. somehow averaged 17 points. Yeah, you know, the interesting thing about Bryant, I remember seeing him like a couple of games in college. He didn't really shoot threes in college his first year at all, and he shot 60 in his second year, so he's really a new three-point shooter. I mean, this is a fairly new piece of his game. Um, and so that that it does bode pretty well. Yeah, it does. And like I said, the the Wizards like really believe the work ethic is going to help things. I'm I'm fine with this deal. Like I think it's totally fine. The Wizards don't have a lot of young guys. If if he progresses at the way he was much better in game 82 this year than he was in game 1. Well, I should even say he was better in game 20 than he was in game 1. He was better in game 40 than he was in game 20 and better in 60 than he was in 40, better in 82 than he was in 60. He he really got better throughout this year. It's not like he showed up and he was just better than he was last year, and then he maintained for the year. You could see how much better his offense was, and and I don't I don't think he necessarily needs to become average on defense for this contract to be fine. If he does become average on defense, which I'm not even necessarily saying he will, but if he does just become average, he can become average. He's got a seven six wingspan. Yeah. If he just learns, like, this is how I should use my arms just to, like, be there. Like, he's a tall guy with ridiculously long arms. If he just knows, like, I can just be here. If, I, if I'm if i here, then I will be annoying enough to where it does something to help my team. If he can do that. Contract's really good. Now, he yeah. has to actually do that. He didn't do that this year. 
But he was also 21, and he played, like, literally 70 minutes as a rookie. Like, he, right. he this was basically his rookie year. He can he can potentially do that. I mean, that's something. I, and I think the Wizards believe that he can do that. I think that's definitely the general thought, like, pretty much by everyone within the organization. Yeah, you know, the other thing about a guy like that, we talk about him getting to a payday at, at you know, 24 years old. He's also a guy on that contract if he develops and if he does keep progressing. He's also that's – a, that's a guy at that number that you can – that, that's a that's an asset you can really use in a trade. It's a it's a guy that a lot of teams would look at in a year, or even the last year in his experience when he's an expiring deal. I, I, he, that's the kind of guy if he develops as a three point shooter, if he does these things we're talking about, if he can become not a just a total minus defender, that's a really appealing young piece. And and like you said, the Wizards don't have a lot of those guys. And short of free agency, that's how you make your team better. You get guys who are on some of these value contracts who develop. And then either you sign them and help your team long term, or they become something that you flip into some other bigger piece. Yep, for sure. Yeah, I mean, there's no question. I mean, that's what they're kind of trying to do with Mo Wagner and Isaac Bonga and these guys they brought in the Lakers trade last week. It's just like, oh, we can take these guys on for free. Maybe none of them end up being good. Maybe this right. guy who we draft with the Lakers 2022 second round pick we got in the deal ends up being absolutely nothing and never steps on an NBA court for one second. But there is a greater chance of them becoming something good for the Wizards if they are actually on the Wizards. So that's a good thing. And that's kind of what they're just trying to do. Just, I mean, look, on a day that the Nets signed Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, DeAndre Jordan, and Garrett frickin' Temple, what better day is there to have this conversation than today, right? Like, yeah. this is what the Nets did. They threw Spencer Dinwiddie at the wall, and he stuck. And they threw Karis LeVert at the wall, and he stuck. And 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 this is how they end up getting these guys. They were like, yeah, you know what? We'll take D'Angelo Russell as a sweetener and see if he turns into something. And if you gave the Nets truth serum two and a half years ago, three years ago, they're not going to tell you they think D'Angelo Russell was a surefire all-star. I'm sure they thought he had a chance. He was not that far removed from being a number two overall pick, but they didn't think he was a surefire all-star. They didn't think that Spencer Dinwiddie, when they signed him after he had been released by Chicago, like they didn't think that Spencer Dinwiddie was going to be a perennial six-man-of-the-year ballot candidate. Like They didn't believe that. They didn't believe that Karis LeVert was you know, one day going to be one of the best players on a playoff team. They didn't think any of those things were going to happen. They maybe thought they were possibilities, but they didn't think those were surefire things that were going to happen. But they they wanted to take their swings. And in order to take your swings, you have to step into the batter's box. And, like, at least the Wizards with, like, a trade like that, with re-signing Thomas Bryant, like, they're, they're stepping into the batter's box. And that's kind of what a team in their position has to do. Hey, just as we're podcasting right now, Reggie Bullock, according to Sham Sharani of the esteemed Athletic, has signed a two-year, twenty-one million dollar deal with the Knicks. All right, that's a that's a person going to the Knicks. I don't <laughs> not a power forward, I, I, and he can make a three, so that's a positive. He can make um, a three, like that's, Bobby that's Portis. Weird. Um, I know you got me off track here because you first made a baseball analogy, which is not my thing, and then you threw yet another Knicks thing at me. Um, and I had a thought as you were talking about, oh, uh, you, you said what better day to talk about this than the day the Nets do this. And I think you tweeted something earlier today that I think is is significant. It's significant for the Knicks, by the way, but also significant for teams like the Wizards who are trying to get back to a place of, of you know, first respectability and then contention. I, I think today shows you a little bit that, that 
the Nets way, so much had to work in their favor. They had to get good and get cap space. But I think today showed us a little something about, you know, I think you tweeted earlier, good players tend to want to play for good teams. And bottoming out to get cap space and draft picks is maybe not the best way to attract the best of free agents. Look at the teams that everybody's, you know, the, the, both the Nets make a big move. Uh, the Clippers are still in the Kawhi Leonard sweepstakes. We don't know what will happen there. But they, they built a team that without, you know, they, they built a team that could compete and be good and fight and, and you know, be, be a little bit of a, I guess, an overachiever. I don't think a lot of people expected them to be in the playoffs. Um, and, and still had the cap space, and now they've got a, a, an appealing product. It's a thing that guys will want to be a part of. The Nets very much were that way. The Knicks very much were not that way. And so I think, you know, we, I think today maybe says, and, and maybe this doesn't teach us anything new. Either the Knicks are bad, and the Knicks have, have been bad. But I think it, it's it's a sound strategy to say, how's a way to create some of this space, but also not bottom out as a franchise and make ourselves, you know, something that, that great free agents are going to turn their nose up at. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think I think that's a great point, Brett. That's really that's a really great point. I really appreciate whoever on Twitter that you quoted. <laughs> yeah, some some smartass. I don't know. <laughs> um, no, it's true. Like, so the Knicks. I love that we're talking about the Knicks so much. It's great. I just can't not talk about the Knicks today. So the Knicks try to create all this cap space with series of move after move after move that just makes them worse and worse and worse, right? And they create the cap space, and they win 17 games. And there is nobody there to go play with. Yeah. And I don't know how much of Kevin Durant's and Kyrie Irving's decisions about going to play where the Nets had to – or going to not play for the Knicks had to do for the fact that the Knicks won 17 games last year. And I don't know how much of their decision had to do with the guys who were already in Brooklyn. But I promise you this. It's greater than zero. Like, if the Nets yeah. won 17 games last year, Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving would not be on the Nets. There's absolutely – I'm 100% right in saying that. They wouldn't be on the Nets if that team sucked. Part of the reason that they are there is because the Nets made the playoffs – and fought hard in a playoff series against Philadelphia. Part of the reason that the Clippers are looked at as an attractive destination is because they created all this space, and they still fought hard against the Warriors in a first-round playoff series. Like, that's the reason these places are considered to be good destinations for good free agents. It's not because they just have the cap space in a summer when, like, half the league had cap space. It's... As we've seen today with Jimmy Butler, with the Warriors, with D'Angelo Russell, like, yes, there are complications if you want to get a guy and you don't have the cap room to do it. But if the guy really wants to go there and you really want that guy, you can find a way in all probability to make that happen. Like, if you don't have players people want to play for, and that's part of why, like, with the Knicks, what they're doing today, I'm like, what is happening here? Because how is... Two years of Taj Gibson, two years of Bobby Portis, two years of D'Angelo Russell, and two years of or of uh, who is it? Julius Randle. I'm losing my mind. Two years of Julius Randle and two years of Reggie Bullock. How do two years each of those four players? Obviously, they are just gearing up to make a play again in 2021. I guess for Giannis, maybe for Mike Trout. I don't know, but like I. I guess Mike Trout's not an extension. That one doesn't really work. But they would make a play for Mike Trout, I'd imagine. I just don't get it. 
Because in 2021, even if those guys make you good, you don't have the players still. They're free agents again. They're gone. So who are these people going to play for? Like, why are they not making the moves? Like, the Andre Iguodala trade that Memphis made, that's a good move. Why are the Knicks not getting on that? Why are they not getting in on the T.J. Warren deal that gets you T.J. Warren and gets you the number 32 pick in the draft? Why are you not trying to take on Sean Livingston's deal when they dump it? Why are you not when this Dallas-Philadelphia-Miami-Jimmy Butler trade falls apart? Why are you not jumping in there and being like, great, Dallas doesn't want it. Let us take Linux. Let us take... Derek Jones Jr., and since, like, we've really had to bail you guys out, you got to give us a little bit extra in this, and we need an extra second-round pick or less protection on the first that we're getting or whatever the hell it is. Like, you will get a couple of first-round picks out of that. The Andre Iguodala pick that's going to Memphis is, like, very lightly protected. Yeah, the thing with the Knicks that I don't really understand, and there's so many things, but, like, the I, I went to... I'm, I, I'm sure you went to a game at, at Madison Square Garden this year, at least one. I, I went the only time that the Thunder played. It was Martin Luther King Day, and obviously that's a day when a lot of people go. But that's a noon game. It's full. The arena's full. The arena's – it might not always be packed to the Raptors like it was that day, but it fills up. People go. The TV deal is lucrative no matter what. The Knicks can be bad. Like, they can afford to just be bad for a little while. And and I think at some point you got to get competent – but you can do some of these things, like the Andre Iguodala thing that you're talking about. That's great. You, you build more traditionally. You don't have to go chase big money. You don't have to pay Julius Randle all this money. You can go do some other things to still get competent and, and set yourself up a little bit better for the future. I don't get it at all. The other thing is they just don't they don't have young guys that are appealing. If they had won 25 games last year, but they had done it with, like, Jared Allen and De'Aaron Fox – then you would be like, okay, all right, you know, they didn't win much, but there's some stuff there to work with. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's totally true. I mean, the fact that Kevin Knox had a disappointing rookie year, Mitchell Robinson is an exciting piece, but uh, he really exciting. he'll be really exciting in his 12 minutes coming off the bench next year. <laughs> like, I mean, isn't he like a power forward, really, Kevin Knox? Kevin I mean, Knox? Yeah. Isn't that the best thing for him to to be? Is I a guess power Kevin forward? Knox is going to have to be a full time three, which I don't know. Uh, God, there's a lot yeah. of Knicks talk. It's so, you know this is really an interesting. It's so telling, and and part of this right Durant can't play for a year, but the Nets went out and did that, and we're talking about the Knicks because that's I mean that's the thing. The Knicks failure is sort of a bigger story than the Nets success. Well, you know why? It's because of the statement. Yeah. It's because That's, of the yeah, statement. It's, it's because of the statement. The the worst, um, really the worst PR move ever. Uh, the Knicks released a <laughs> Knicks released a statement. To me, I, quite honestly, this is along the lines of this is along the lines of Cleveland and Comic Sans. The Knicks released this statement at 9:01 p.m. Exactly three hours into free agency. At the time. They had just agreed with Julius Randle. And they released a statement. Please see below statement for Knicks president Steve Mills. While we understand that some Knicks fans could be disappointed with tonight's news, we continue to be upbeat and confident in our plans to rebuild the Knicks to compete for championships in the future through both the draft and targeted free agents. Uh, Then they sent out a revised version of that statement after it had already been released by every reporter anyway to account for the fact they would also like to develop their young guys, like giving Mitchell Robinson 12 minutes off the bench behind Bobby Portis and Taj Gibson and Julius Randle. I I can't 
believe that they did that. I, I can't believe what Julius Randle must have felt in that moment. Right. That the Knicks, step one, signed Julius Randle. Step two, released a statement saying, we know everyone's really disappointed about Julius Randle. Step three, realize you just really offended Julius Randle. Seconds after signing him, immediately call him and apologize for offending him. And step four, how Julius Randle hate you for the next two years. Like, yeah. What is that? It's incredible. I mean, like, the just the idea – look, if, if you have a press conference, which they at some point will do, and maybe all the media will even be allowed to come now. Who knows? But, like, if, if you have a press conference and you get asked about, you know, hey, you guys really aimed high. There was – Kevin Durant was on the market and, and Kyrie Irving, and you didn't get those guys. You can answer a question about disappointment there if you want to. But the idea of, like, drawing attention to it right after you get a commitment from a guy is so weird. It's really weird to be like the first public statement you make after you sign Julius Randle to a, a really uh, pricey contract is to say, we know that you hate that we did this. You know, it's just <laughs> super weird. You know what it reminds me of? It's like that Domino's advertisement campaign of like, we know you hate our pizza. <laughs> yeah. So we yeah. totally changed all of it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I, I remember, uh, you know, I, I graduated from the University of Kentucky, which at one point the official slogan that was in all the commercials was like America's next great university. And it's like, it's sort of like saying we're not very great now, but just like, give it some time, you know, like we'll be great in the future. That's like uh, Tommy Shepard went to New Mexico state and he referred to it as the Harvard of the border. (laughs) So there you go. Yeah. It's, it's amazing. I can't believe that they did that. Also like, the Knicks have been intentionally not commenting on anything forever. And this is the thing they comment. Their owner went on the radio months ago and declared that we've had we have stars who told us they want to come here. It's yep. just an unbelievable it's it's an unbelievable way to play it. It is not a disaster to strike out in free agency. The way they have done it is just so ungraceful. I can't yeah. look away. And like, I, this is a Wizards podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Ostensibly. It was it was so weird, too, because like when they signed Randall, or when they got the commitment from Randall, however you want to put that, um, the first thing, it's a three-year 63, and you're like, man, that's a reach on Julius Randall. That's a real overpay. And then it's like, okay, it's two years with a team option. So it's two years and 42, and it's like, all right, that's a little bit of a of an overpay on Julius Randle. You know, like that's a little high. It's not crazy high, but like it's it made the trade not, or it made the, the the transaction look not so bad. It's like okay, that's not as terrible as as I thought. And it's like the Knicks were like, oh, you didn't think it was terrible? Okay, well let's let's find a way to make you hate it more. We'll badmouth it in a press release. You know, <laughs> just I don't I can't. It's so good. <laughs> it's just ridiculous. I can't. It just it's so hard to imagine another team doing that. You know. Imagine, imagine the Thunder doing. That's that. the craziest idea in the world. Is to think the Thunder would like immediately send out a press release that says, "We know you hate what we did." Imagine you know? the like Thunder signing Mike Muscala and immediately putting out a press release. <laughs> Sam Presti has released a statement. We know you're disappointed that we couldn't work it out with Nerlens Noel. Yeah. Yeah. But but, but we had to sign this Muscala guy. Yeah, we had to get somebody, you guys. 
It's so weird because like I we used to when I covered college uh, sports, we used to always joke about you know <laughs> on college football signing day. Like it would just be so great if one coach would walk in and be like, "Well, the guys we really wanted went to Ohio State. We're going to try to make the best of what we can with the guys that we ended up with." Because all of our top targets went somewhere else. And the Knicks basically just did that. Like, the Knicks actually did it. They didn't basically do it. They yeah. literally did it. That is yeah. what they did. Yeah. <laughs> That's what they did. And then they sent out a revised version because they forgot to say they want to develop their young guys, too. As if anybody looked at it and said, oh, my God, I guess the Knicks aren't prioritizing their young guys. Yeah. And as if anybody thinks they are now because yeah. of the second release. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, the fact that they sent it out means that they really did forget about their young guys. Like, no one would have thought they forgot about their young guys if they didn't tell all of us they forgot yeah. about their young guys. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's not that weird a thing to leave out of a press conference that's about – a uh, 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 press release that's about free agency. Like it's not, it's not weird, that weird. It's it's not weird. Yeah, the, the the release itself is weird, but not mentioning your young players isn't weird. But then, like when you you just draw so much attention to it, but it's unbelievable. I mean, it is it's it would be unbelievable with anybody else. It's not unbelievable with the Knicks. It's the wrong word. It's believable. Yeah, it happened. I saw it. I saw all of it. Just an ungraceful day. Let's talk Trevor Ariza for a sec. Yeah. I, I'm surprised Trevor Ariza got two for twenty five. To be honest, I, I didn't think it was going to be quite that high but the kings were spending the kings wanted guys and i guess if you're sacramento you probably have to pay a little bit more to get the guys you want i think yeah, Dan deadman is a good fit for them he makes sense he's turned himself into a really good shooter he's a good defender they need a five they're not going to bring back collie stein he works next to bagley because he can shoot threes and bagley can go on the inside as a four like they can have that reverse relationship where where uh, Bagley can play the four on on defense and Deadman can play the five and Deadman can really just be on the outside and shoot threes, catch and shoot style. So like that makes sense. And they paid to get him there. Ariza, yeah, you, I didn't expect to get as much as he did. He was never going back to Washington though. Well, he wasn't going to get anything close to that in most places. It's, Sacramento's just just got to overpay. I mean, like they've only got so many things going for. It. They can bring the oatmeal cookies. To the meetings, I guess, and, and be like, "Hey, check these out," you know. But I don't know how much that's going to help, like, attract sports writers. Probably much more than it's going to help attract NBA players. Um, the Kings, but, for you, you know, my listenership. I'm not sure if they're aware of this. I'm, I'm surprised you haven't talked about it before. Well, because be I'm, I'm in the Eastern Conference now. Oh, so you only get to go there, yeah. I only once get to go there tops. once. It's the, so the best dessert item in the league, in my opinion is the oatmeal raisin cookies in the King's media room. And before you critique me for choosing oatmeal raisin over chocolate chip, this is very rarely. That's not a regular occurrence for me. The oatmeal raisin cookies in the King's media room are just that good. Yeah, like I, I would take them to free agent meetings if I were the King's. <laughs> like I would be like, you know, like we probably can't get the ramp, but let's take these cookies. And I tried just to see order what. them. I tried to get King's PR to send it 3,000 miles across the country to Washington, D.C. You had an epic – what was the number, uh, the one Thunder game? Oh, that was a very bad game story. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I, I had – they're pretty big. I, I had like nine or ten of those. <laughs> they're like really, really big cookies. and I, like nine, I didn't eat dinner. I just had nine or ten cookies. That was my dinner. I had nothing else. Yeah. And I was – I mean, we sat next to each other for that game. I was, I was, I was reeling. I was, I was legit like a five-year-old who's like, you know, it was like I was like I was nine, and my parents left me at home for the first time in my entire life, and I was like, I'm gonna eat all the cookies. 
and then I was just feeling physically horrible. And uh, that game the also, the stats found that the last four minutes of, of game time. One of the worst games. St- legit, it was one of the worst game stories I've ever written in my life. I just, back, in, back in my days of sending things in on deadline, I was physically ill, and we had no statistics to write off of. Yeah, it was crazy. I, this is such a weird And it came down to a buzzer beater. Yeah, which Russell Westbrook made to win the game. And then he uh, later in the locker room, they handed him – he gets the stat sheet after every game. And they handed him this, like, scorers, official scorers, like, book. Like, they take at high school games. Because they're also taking that at the NBA game in case what happens – what happened that night happens. So he gets, like, a printout of a of a score of an official scorebook page. And he's, like, he kind of looks at it and doesn't even know what to do with it. Like, what is this? Yeah. I yeah. still have that scorebook, though. I still have that scorebook page because they also handed them out to us. Yeah, I had it. I don't still have it. I've got there was it a point where I had it. That was a weird night. I think very, I was very, just too violently ill in order to concentrate on anything that night. It was very strange. So they got that for him. Really good cookies. <laughs> Other than that, I mean, you know, Harrison Barnes is probably an overpay, too. They, you just got to pay guys in Sacramento. And and to their credit, they're pushing in. They got some good young players. Um, they got They got – you know, they were in striking distance last year. It's going to be even tougher probably this year because the the West is a bear again. Um, but at least they're trying to, to to do it, and I think that's good. Fox is probably at the stage where it's it's time to try. And they've got guys on reasonable deals to compensate yep. too. Like Fox is on a rookie deal, Bagley's on a rookie deal, Giles is on a rookie deal. So you're you're underpaying those guys. So that's going to help in the in the realm of being able to overpay some other guys a little bit to come over. Ariza, I, I just didn't think Ariza was ever coming back to the Wizards. Uh, their intention, I just could not believe, I couldn't believe at the time of trading for Ariza that they were trading Kelly Oubre, who, yes, is a free agent, but who is restricted, and who people around the league, not everybody, there are some people, you know, look at him and he's kind of a black hole wing who is going to create offense for himself and, and not other people and who's got good defensive tools but hasn't really learned how to use them. And there are people looking like that and they're like, he's not for me. But there are people who see the athleticism and the length and the ability to score and, you know, all those sorts of things and the charismatic personality and they're like, I like that guy. I want him on my team. And they could have gotten something for Kelly Oubre and instead they trade Kelly Oubre and Austin Rivers back in December for Trevor Ariza. In a deal, by the way, the Ariza, which was the Marshawn Brooks deal, which wasn't, and which didn't end up being the Marshawn Brooks deal, a deal that originally, in the first iteration, netted them a fake second round pick and an unprotected second round pick. And then when they did the final deal, they gave out the exact same package. It was the original package they were giving out only Kelly Oubre and Austin Rivers as well. Never getting back at Ariza and a second round pick and a fake second round pick. And this the final one, they were just getting back Ariza. So they were. It's one of the only scenarios where you can definitively say the Wizards took back less than they believed they should have been taking back because only 10 hours earlier they were taken back more than that, and that was what they agreed to do. Uh, so they end up getting nothing now for Kelly Oubre. Now that Bobby Portis is gone, and I'm going to say there's a greater than 50% chance that Jabari Parker is going to be gone as well. That means that the Wizards traded... Otto Porter, Kelly Oubre, and Austin Rivers for the grand total of a 2023 top 36 protected Chicago Bulls second round pick. And that is it because those three guys are all going to walk. Now, I couldn't believe at the time, and I wrote it at the time, 
And when I had my one-on-one interview with Ernie Grunfeld, which I wrote this piece in uh, February at the trade deadline, like I couldn't believe they didn't trade Trevor Ariza and Jeff Green at the deadline for second-round picks or something like that just to get something back, get back an asset that's going to help you beyond this season. They were 10 games under 500 at the deadline. They chose not to flip those guys. Now, Jeff Green could come back. That's possible. Uh, from everything that I have gathered, Jeff Green liked playing for the Wizards this year. He's obviously from the area. He played at Georgetown. His family's still here. He's got a million friends here. He loved being able to go back to Georgetown all the time because Jeff Green just absolutely loves Georgetown. Just, like, really loves Georgetown. I think more than your average NBA player loves his alma mater. He just loves Georgetown. So he liked being able to to be back for those sorts of things. And it's totally possible that Jeff Green is back. But all that being said, like, they held on to those guys so they could make a run that everybody knew was at best extremely unlikely for the number eight seed when they were 22 and 32 at the trade deadline. And now uh, this is just a culmination, just a reminder of, uh, and I'm not saying they should have brought him back just because they just didn't trade him. They should not have paid Trevor Ariza two years, $25 million just for the sake of keeping him. They made the right decision, but it's just another reminder of the mistakes that they've made along the way to get here. Yeah, they should change general managers. <laughs> yeah. Well, so far, look, Thomas Shepard is, every move Thomas Shepard has made has made sense and has been reasonable. The Thomas Bryant contract is, even if you think offensive-minded centers are easy to come by, it's hard to, like, kill him for that. I mean, it's just not that big of a contract. The Lakers deal was undebatably a good deal. They gave up, literally all they gave up in the deal was $1.1 million in cash, and they got back an unprotected 2022 second round pick. And even if you think all those players suck, like you got an unprotected 2022 second round pick from the Lakers who openly don't care about what happens in 2022. Right. So, great trade. Um, they Ended up buying a second-round pick and getting Admiral Schofield. Okay, fine. Fine deal. I mean, his his moves have been fine and reasonable and have shown a value uh, of uh, you know caring about what happens on the margins, which is not something the Wizards have really done. So I have no problem with them letting Ariza walk. To be honest, Ariza struggled in a lot of ways this year. He shot 32% from three. He was not great defensively. Uh, he certainly wasn't anywhere near an answer. His team defense struggled. Now, I don't know how much of like his defense struggling this year was him aging or was him just like being part of a, a culture that was not a defensive culture and on a losing team. And so he was just like, well, I can't do this. And so the the effort wasn't there. And it's possible he ramps it back up if he's on a good team. And the Kings could be good. And it's possible he ramps back up on a good team. Like, that wouldn't shock me. But, like, he wasn't that great this year, which is why I was surprised he got as much money as he did. But we'll see. Yeah, I think, too, I think he, he looks good for Sacramento. Like, he, he might look better for them than what he actually gives them as a player. It's just like, oh, they're going out to get it. They, they went and got a winner, you know? Like, oh, that Trevor Ariza, he wins. You know, like, he's got this reputation as, like, a plug-in guy who will defend and he'll – Make some threes and all that kind of stuff. He's just the kind of guy. He's like, he just fits the bill of like, if you're like, oh, we, we want to go out and and add a little wing depth and we want a veteran, we want a guy who's been through it, you know, just all those all those sort of cliche things. He he fits that for a team like them who's in that developmental stage right now. 
And so I, I get them wanting him, and I think he'll help them some on the floor. I don't know how much. Probably he's he's probably going to be overpaid for what he produces. But it's I don't think it's bad for Sacramento. It would have made zero sense for the Wash for the Wizards. Yeah, yeah. And the Knicks are the the Knicks. The, yeah, they're still on my mind. Uh, they're going to get him too. I just I wasn't even going to say the Wizards. I was actually going to say Trevor Ariza. I referred to Trevor Ariza as the Knicks. <laughs> That's how much the Knicks are on my mind right now. It's really not great for Trevor Ariza. <laughs> Ariza wanted to be on the West Coast. I mean, that was his number one preference. I am the everyone and their mother knows that. I was I'm the nine hundredth person to say it. I mean, he he wanted to be on the West Coast. He saw him in Phoenix last year because he wanted to be on the West Coast. He you know thought about going to the Lakers because he wanted to be on the West Coast. He wanted to be he's from L.A. He wanted to be on the West Coast. Guess where the Kings are. Not the West Coast, because Sacramento is landlocked. Not exactly the West Coast, but, you know, it's close. It's It's, a lot closer than D.C. It's the West Close, is what it is. (laughs) It's so late that that's kind of funny to me. What what signings are interesting to you? Anything interesting? I mean, D'Angelo Russell's fascinating. Yeah, let's talk Um, D'Angelo Russell for a sec. How much more time you got? Because it's late, and I don't want to keep you for a ridiculous time. No, I'm fine. I got nothing until... I got got some some quality time with Hamadou Diallo tomorrow morning. (laughs) We'll go for a bit, because I I still got to finish my story on Thomas Bryant. Um, The the Russell thing caught me off guard. That had been sort of... Somebody floated that a while before it happened, but then it happened so fast, the way these things sometimes do. I think Shams reported, like, they're, they're closing in on it, and then it was just done. It was like done like within minutes. And it's fascinating in terms of the ramifications for the Warriors. Obviously, they had to move off Iguodala to get it done, which is, you know, if you're an emotional fan of a team, it's it's that's a kind of a gut punch. You got to move on from a guy who's, I mean, he's literally the most valuable player of a finals that you want a title. Um, so it, it's just it's fascinating what it does to them. It's fascinating what it might mean for Draymond Green long term. And and I also don't know. What D'Angelo Russell is for them when they're healthy, like how does the how does that work with Steph and Clay? I'm, I'm, it's just it's fascinating on on a lot of levels to me. It is really fascinating. I, I'm so curious if they're just like gonna flip him at some point. Maybe they'll go to Minnesota at some point and make Carl Towns happy. He was sure trying. <laughs> he was putting up Instagram stories and everything. Was he put the loading uh, thing up there because of the 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 handle, the D'Angelo Russell's handle? So he put that loading uh, sign up on his Instagram, like the thing when your computer is loading something. Unfortunately, the Timberwolves loaded up their cap sheet with a few too many contracts to make that happen. Like, yeah. I I I guess they could trade for him, but I I I wonder. I don't even know what that deal would be to be honest. I, Covington is in it, maybe, and then I don't... Yeah, I don't Covington know. would work well on Golden State, actually. Yeah. That's the one that makes some sense, but, like, they're not taking Wiggins. Oh, God, no. I mean, that... I think if somebody was... I think if it was easy to move Andrew Wiggins, they would probably have had D'Angelo Russell. Wiggins has got to be one of the three, four, five most difficult contracts in the league to, to move. I mean... Chris Wall, Paul. Wall, Paul, Wiggins. Could be those three. Yeah. Because the be thing right. is, with the 2016 contracts, they're all either off the books or have one more year. Yeah. So, who? I mean, there weren't that many bad contracts given out in 2017 and 2018 because the 2016 contracts were taking up all the cap space. Yeah. 
pretty difficult to figure out. I mean, it's probably it's probably in the top three. There's still four years left on that at the max. Yeah, four years left on that at the max. So that, that's a lot really tough for a guy to who's he's a, uh, he's a good NBA player, I guess. Andrew Wiggins. He's certainly not a great one. I think he's good. He's like fine, <laughs> but he's not. Not what you that's, want to spend that kind of money on, you know. Like if you're like, yeah, the, we're gonna we're gonna max out this guy who's like, fine. That's a tepid, a tepid yes. endorsement. Yeah, a good player, I guess, is if, not really what you want to say about. If, if a you guy were trying to, if you were trying to set me up with someone, <laughs> and you said, "What's uh, what's she like? She's she's a good date." Um, I, I guess. I, I guess. Date, uh, I she's, guess. She's, she's she's fine. She's she, it'll be fine. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know if I if I would go on that date. Yeah, and you probably wouldn't take her on like like the most expensive yes, date. I would not. I would not pay her twenty seven million dollars to go on right. that date with me. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Maybe yeah. It's a, it's, well. That's a that's a hard contract. I, the thing, the one thing I will say for the Warriors in that deal, as much as it's going to mess with stuff, and as much as I don't know what it's going to look like long term or whatever. You know, maybe you can't get him to Minnesota. You can get him somewhere. He's an uh, he's a guy that people will want. He is an asset. He's a young, coveted player. And so, if at some point that doesn't work after you get Clay Thompson back, and if you're confident that Clay's good to go at some point, either late in the season or the following season, you'll find takers for D'Angelo Russell. That won't be an issue. Yeah, no, I think that's true. He's a, he's a good player. The fit is just fascinating next to Steph Curry. Yeah. Also. Defensively, oh, what boy, the hell are the Warriors going to yeah. be? Because gonna be Russell doesn't guard twos, and Curry yep. doesn't guard twos, and they just traded Igudala, and Clay Thompson is out, and and Durant is now gone. So what are the Warriors going to be defensively? I assume they're going to be bringing back Looney, but is Looney, Looney can't really be a thirty-two minute a night center. We we can't really are see they going to be able to bring him back? Yeah, I mean, yes, they are. I just, okay. I assume so. I don't think they're going to be able to bring back Cousins, but they they've got the apron now because they're doing they're hard capped at like 138 right. million for total payroll. I assume based on what I assume Looney's market is going to be. Now, I guess it's possible that if like the Clippers, for example, have tons of space and they don't sign anyone and they want to screw over the Warriors, they could offer Looney like fifteen million dollars a year on like a one year deal. Well, I guess he's restricted, so it has to be two years. So you could do thirty million over two years and make the second year non guaranteed. So it's basically fifteen million for one year, and then the Warriors are like, We can't pay him fifteen million because we have the hard cap and yeah. then the Warriors lose him and you just suck up Looney for fifteen million for one year, which doesn't matter because he's coming off the books next year anyway. It's an interesting Someone idea could to screw think, the Warriors if they want. Yeah, it, it's it's interesting to think about somebody doing that. Somebody saying, you know what, like things went pretty well for you for a while. Let's uh, let's make things a little more challenging. Yep. And also, like for a team like the Clippers, it doesn't just have to be out of pettiness. Like making the Warriors worse would be in their best basketball interest. Right. Yes. Yeah. You know, it's it's an interesting notion, and I'm 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 really fascinated by what this means for Draymond. Um, you know they can still re-sign Draymond, but I I think there's going to be a, a ceiling on it now. It, it's 
it, it's such a dramatic change for them. And obviously there were going to be dramatic changes one way or the other because they were going to not have Durant. But it's a, it's bold. It's just so shocking, and it's going to have very long-term repercussions for them, it feels like. Or very wide-reaching, maybe not long-term. Yeah. It will for sure. Anything else? I thought sneakily, sneakily, Pelicans are going to be good. Good, like good. They're gonna they're gonna be in the mix to make the like playoffs. legitimately good. Like Derek yeah. Favors is a good player, and JJ Redick is a good player. Yeah, and they're loading up on dudes. Like they just have like like they're un. I like they. I don't know how good their eleventh man is, but like they go deep. Yeah. They've got players. If they do have their Pelicans-related injury issues, and by the way, they, they just signed arguably the most respected trainer in the NBA yeah. away from Phoenix. Uh, but if they do have some injuries, because Lonzo is injury-prone over his first two years, and obviously Brandon Ingram has had some more serious issues, like they've got people who can step in. Drew Holiday is really good, and J.J. Redick is really good, and Dirk Favors is a good player. And if Zion is decent at all... And, like, you got Ingram, and you've got Josh Hart, and you've got Lonzo. Like, yeah, Lonzo is is not – forget that Lonzo was drafted number two overall. Lonzo is a very good defensive point guard who guards ones and twos at a very high level. He's an excellent passer, not a great scorer, not a great shooter, whatever. He's a good – that's a good player. He, you know, he's a good basketball player who can help you win basketball games. Yeah, and the other thing about him is – He's going to a system where point guards just traditionally thrive. Alfred Payton looked way better playing for Alvin Gentry. That system has done that. It did it for Jeremy Lin. It, I mean, Steve Nash was a great player. He was better in that system because it's the Mike D'Antoni system. Um, you know, Gentry runs the same stuff that that D'Antoni runs for the most part, and it focuses on it, it features the point guards, and those guys tend to play a little better than they've played before. So I wouldn't be surprised if just from natural development and also in being in that system, you see a little bump from Lonzo. Yeah. I think that's true. And he's a good fit next to Drew Holiday. Yeah, I mean, the Pelicans, yeah, the Pelicans don't really want him to be a point guard. They want him off the ball. Yeah, defensively, the Pelicans are going to be pretty good. I, I wonder what the Pelicans are going to do. Maybe maybe the Pelicans, now that they signed J.J. Redick, maybe they are going to start Holiday at the one. They're going to bring Lonzo off the bench. Like I, I don't know what they're going to do about that. Maybe J.J. comes off the bench. I don't really know what they're going to do. But they have the potential for some really good defensive lineups because Ball is an excellent defender. Holiday is arguably the best, literally the best defensive guard in the entire league, potentially. Favors is a very good defender. Zion, obviously, has excellent defensive potential. Ingram is long and rangy and has that potential, too. Like, they can put together some good, athletic, switchy lineups. And Favors being able to play the five full-time, I think, is going to be really good for him. I think we might be able to see, like, okay, Derek Favors like is not going to be hampered by the fact that he has to stand in the corner and pretend to be a corner three shooter next to Rudy Gobert, even though he's shooting like 28% on those shots. Like, it's going to be good for him. It's going to open it up because he's a talented player and is good on both ends, and that's going to help. Like, Pelicans are super interesting. Yeah, they also have sort of a – they have kind of a defensive coordinator, and it's Darren Ehrman, and he's pretty creative, and he's got a lot of stuff to play with now. It's a lot of interesting stuff they can mess with. They're going to be in the conversation, and look, this – some of this is just dumb, blind luck, right? But they're going to be in the conversation for the, the most graceful loss of a star ever because they got a really great haul, uh, and then circumstances really favored them after that. You know, they, 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 they well, favored them before that. 
they got the number one pick, and the number one pick is is a guy who people expect to be kind of a transcendent player, and so uh, they're they're gonna they're gonna go get away from having a, they're gonna lose their superstar um, with more success than you would expect somebody to lose their superstar. And you want to talk, by the way, defense. If and when this Jimmy Butler sign-in trade works out and Josh Richardson goes to Philadelphia, Ben oh, Simmons, man. Josh Richardson, Joel Embiid, and Al Horford in the same lineup? Oh, my God. I was I was texting with somebody tonight. I don't – I can't wrap my head around Philly, how big they're going to be and, like, just what that's going to look like. It's – it's wild. That is, it's just crazy to think about because those, like defensively, you mentioned those guys. Then offensively, they're going to have Tobias Harris out there. That's just a huge group of guys. So this, the Philly. I'm going to make another baseball analogy before we go. Oh boy, Philly getting Horford reminds me of like the early 2000 Yankees Red Sox rivalry when like the Yankees would get players just so the Red Sox wouldn't get them and vice versa. Right. You know, the Diamondbacks had these great, great um, pitchers in Randy Johnson and Curt Schilling. And Curt Schilling goes to the Red Sox and helps them win the World Series. In the ensuing offseason, the Yankees are like, well, I guess we got to trade for Randy Johnson. So the Yankees get Randy Johnson literally that offseason. And it's like this ridiculous ego-driven shit, and I, I don't think that this is ego-driven as much as it's Al Horford is the best Joel Embiid defender in the NBA. And you know the best way to make sure Al Horford stops defending Joel Embiid? It's not to have crazy cross screens and hope you can switch him off of Joel Embiid. It's just to yeah. sign the dude yeah. and have him on your side. And not having to go up against Embiid in the playoffs, I'm sure, is going to be so joyful for Embiid. Because yeah, Al somebody, Horford is, is, is holeless. There is nothing to poke in his game, you know, and he's so great against Embiid. I just think he, he's great anywhere, and he's going to be great there. As you know, the, the, there's a, a, an oft-repeated line here. The, the Warriors didn't need Kevin Durant. They just needed him to not be on the Thunder. And and somebody tweeted that some some Thunder fan tweeted that tonight the same thing the the uh, the Sixers don't really need Al Horford they just need him to not be on Boston yeah it's very true uh, plug your uh, anything else before we go uh no no uh, probably sleep ahead for me hopefully maybe a little bit of sleep uh, anything to plug before um, we go. You know, uh, for people who are interested in the Thunder, I'll have something tomorrow just about the uh, kind of what, what – they had a weird night, and, we, you know, there's no reason for us to talk about that on this podcast. But if you're interested in the sort of weird night the Thunder had wherein Nerlens Noel appeared to agree to a contract and then back out from agreeing with that contract, um, and the Thunder went out and got a sort of a Patrick Patterson clone, um, I'll have a story about that in the morning. And then there will be some stuff heading up to Summer League this week and a lot of, lot of stuff at Summer League. Yeah, weird Nerlens Noel thing. Very strange. Uh, cryptic Instagram post. Very, very, um, not very thunder. You know, like they don't usually have too much of the, the odd drama. So they had a little bit of weird weirdness tonight. Yeah, that's true. Uh, and uh, what's your Twitter handle again? So people can uh, go find you. It is B Dawson Writes, W-R-I-T-E-S. Perfect. And uh, subscribe to Wizards After Dark on iTunes. Give us five stars. Leave a nice review. The reviews always help. They're always, always help more than you'd think. 
I'm sure I'll do another one of these this week. It's free agency and something else will pop up. We didn't talk about Thomas Sadoransky. Obviously, he didn't sign. There's just really no news there, to be honest. Um, I've reported, I talked about it in my original podcast, uh, the free agency preview podcast I did late last week, and uh, I've written it a number of times. The Wizards would like to bring Thomas Sadoransky back, but it's been eight and a half hours now, and it, it's there's nothing more to talk about than there was before, so we didn't really talk about it. But if there's Sadoransky news, then I imagine I'll do another podcast with somebody else, and We'll talk about Thomas Sadoransky, and if there's other Wizards news, I imagine we'll talk about it. So I'll do some sort of free agency podcast probably later this week, uh, depending on the news and depending on what's relevant. Brett Word, thank you for coming on. Thank you for having me, Gordon. I appreciate it. (laughs) Gordon. Stephen Adams, when was that? That was in Philadelphia. Two years ago, maybe. No, that was my first year on the beat. That was three years ago. That was my that was my that was opening. That was the first game of the season in Philadelphia. My first year on the beat, covering the Thunder. I did a one-on-one interview with Stephen Adams. At the end of it, he shook my hand and very politely said, "Thanks, Gordon." <laughs> Do you, do you think he actually thought your name was Gordon, or do you think he did the Ron Swanson thing where he was like, we got a little too chummy here, and I, I want to throw him off? Uh, I think knowing Stephen, now knowing Stephen as well as I know Stephen, I can't believe I never told Stephen that story. Like, Stephen, knowing Stephen, he probably had no moment where he was like, oh, my God, his name's not Gordon. He probably just learned my name was Fred without even realizing my name was Fred, you know? Yeah. So I feel like I should tell him that story next time I see him. Next time the Wizards play the Thunder, I gotta, I gotta make sure that he's aware that I know that he called me Gordon. Uh, yeah, I, I think I think he definitely thought my name was Gordon for some reason. Sounds nothing like Fred. Or just didn't care what your name was and, and sort of threw out a name, which is also <laughs> something he might do. That's you know, plausible. Just kind of like make up a name. Yeah. Thanks, Gordon. That's something he would do, too. He also might have just been messing with me because he thought it was funny and I was the new guy, which would also be in character. He was like, I know this guy's name is Fred, but I'm going to call him Gordon. All right. That's it. I'm back at some point in the future, assuming global warming doesn't murder us all before then. I'll talk to you guys now. 